Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. Welcome to another edition of Stand Up For The Truth. Got a great show today, and if you've ever wondered about the role of the Holy Spirit in your life and or in our lives as believers and how he, and he is a person, he is not an it, how he helps us bear fruit, and not only that, but fruit that will last and Uh, affect things for eternity. We want to talk about that today and make sure that we all have a really good understanding about bearing fruit for the kingdom. And we have uh, two special guests on, which we'll get to as soon as I open up in prayer. Father, thank you for another opportunity to talk about uh, things that help Christians in their daily walks and help us understand the times that we're living in and also help us be effective and productive witnesses for you. Holy Spirit, uh, strengthen us today and uh, lead this conversation and just just bless the listeners, whoever is tuning in right now, whoever is listening live or by podcast. We pray that you would inform them and encourage their hearts today, especially as we're in this Christmas season. And you would remind all of us, Father, of the love that you have for us, your presence in our lives, that you will never leave us or forsake us, and that we have one of the greatest gifts, aside from Jesus Christ, your Son. We have the Holy Spirit giving us everything for life and for godliness as we live this temporary life and expect the return of Jesus. And we thank you for that, Lord. We lift up this hour to you. We pray that you'd guide us into all truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Our guests today, Preston and Kelly Condra, they're the founders of Sufficient Word Ministries, and its purpose is to edify, increase, and equip the church using the grace through faith power of the Holy Spirit found in God's sufficient written word. Preston Condra, an ordained Southern Baptist minister, is a graduate of Oklahoma Baptist University and Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. He's preached in churches across the United States and served as an adjunct professor and guest lecturer at Christian colleges and seminaries. Kelly Condra is a graduate of the University of Wisconsin-Green Bay with a degree in psychology and education and a graduate of the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee with a Master of Science degree in education and clinical counseling. Authors of several Christian books, including By Which We Are Saved, Papa Let's Talk, and the one we're going to be discussing today, Bearing Fruit or Living Barren. Joining us on the phone from Arkansas this morning, Preston and Kelly Condra. Welcome to Stand Up For The Truth. Thanks for having us on, David. Hello. Good morning, you guys. Thank you so much. We wanted to get this uh, interview in before the end of the year because I wanted to tell people about your books. I've been checking them out uh, on Amazon. I know you have a page as well at Sufficient Word Ministries, but let's just start with a little bit of your background. Now, uh, Kelly, uh, you are from Wisconsin originally, and Preston, were you from Arkansas originally, and how did you guys meet? Yes, I'm from Arkansas originally, and Kelly and I actually met in uh, Minnesota. At a Bible conference. Oh, cool. It was a Worldview weekend, and uh, Kelly was there to, uh, well, she can tell you, she can tell you that. Uh, I was stalking Ken Ham. I wanted to meet Ken Ham because I had heard him give the gospel, and I'd gotten saved, and I wanted to meet him, and I met Preston the same time, so then I had to meet Ken Ham again and told him I got both saved and married because of him. Oh, yeah, that's... Our, our, ministry, <laughs> our ministry was at the uh, conference, uh, as a part of the conference, and uh, Kelly was attending. <laughs> That's so cool. What a great story. I love it when it involves something like a Christian conference and especially someone like Ken Ham. That's great. Now, um, so you guys, um, Preston, were you working with um, Watchman Fellowship for a while? Yes, I worked with Watchman for over 15 years. Oh, my goodness. I didn't realize it was that long. 
Yeah, a long time. Um, had, had a great time in ministry with Watchmen. Still, Watchmen's still a great ministry. We think a lot of them. And now you guys are on your own, uh, doing your own ministry, writing books. And I know, Kelly, you, you must be uh, counseling uh, couples and individuals. Is that correct? I do a little bit of that on the side, but I'm mainly editing books. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So you're, you're, That takes a lot of time. Okay, you're busy with that. Anything new coming out uh, next year that we need to know about? Yes, we will have a book out, hopefully in the first quarter, but hopefully by February, on God's will. So we're real excited about that, and we will sure keep you in the loop, David. Absolutely. Well, we will have you guys on as soon as that, actually before that even comes out. We want to get you guys on to talk about it. Um, well, right. the, the book today we wanted to get you on and discuss is a very provocative title because uh, I was just reading in John chapter 15 this morning, partly in preparation for talking to you guys about the believer in Christ being chosen and appointed by God to go and bear fruit and fruit that will last, Jesus says. And of course, that chapter starts out by saying, I am the vine, you are the branches. Um, I would just love for you to talk a little bit about what led you to write this book, uh, Bearing Fruit or Living Barren, The Essentials of Christian Spirituality. Well, I, I think one of the things is you've heard the, the number before of in most churches, 20% of the people do 80% of the work in the giving. Yes. And so that 20% often gets worn out mm. and often um, probably works in their own strength just because there's so much to do. And so we want to see believers energized by God's power, not working in their own strength. And, and so we want to show what spirituality is, and that's, that's the only way. Um, that's the way God wants a believer to operate is as a spiritual person, as a spiritual believer. And so uh, that 20%, we're hoping this will be a big help to them and even more in the local congregation as well. And it'll be an encouragement for pastors as well. Yeah, we'd like to get rid of that 80-20 rule and get all believers producing mm -hmm. fruit because spiritual fruit is spiritual. That's right. It's love and peace and joy and goodness and kindness and meekness and patience and long-suffering and all kinds of wonderful spiritual qualities that reflect the character of God. And when we produce spiritual qualities, then we're empowered to do works. Spiritual fruit is not the same as works. Works is a result of spiritual fruit. That's right. Can you so we're not after... We're that, not after that's an important point, Kelly. Could you please repeat that again? I think that was very profound, and we need to be reminded of that truth. Sure. Spiritual fruit is spiritual. They are the spiritual qualities that reflect the character of God. So when I look to a promise of God with faith, that becomes actual in my experience. So, for example, let's say I'm in a stressful situation but I think of that verse, the Holy Spirit brings to mind that I have a peace that passes all understanding. When I believe that promise, then he produces spiritual fruit within me. It's spiritual. It leads to good works, mm -hmm. but spiritual fruit is not the same as good works. You can do good works all day long and never please God because your internal spiritual condition is not correct. Hmm. You're doing it in your own strength. And we don't want Christians to face Jesus Christ someday and have every single work burned up because they were working so hard in their own power and they never learned that spiritual fruit is spiritual. Now, we've heard about that 80-20 rule in so many different um, applications, I guess, in life or scenarios. Usually it's used in a business context, but do you guys really think in the church today generally that those numbers might even be 90-10? I'm, I'm thinking about things like uh, tithing, <laughs> tithing and giving and doing missions. I think the numbers might be less. What I'd love to get each of your uh, thoughts on that. I, I'd meet with about 30 pastors a month because mm. we I meet with them and then show them our books and 
they often invite us to come speak, either one of our workshops or I speak in the church or they use our books or a combination thereof. And we, when we get to talking about this, most of them do say they think it's more like 90-10. Mm-hmm. You know, that 10% of the people do 90% of the work in the giving. So, yeah, that that's what they're telling me. And that might even be generous because most churches are small. And mm-hmm. we have seen many, many cases where one person passes away and they are the giver in the church and the whole church folds. They cannot sustain themselves because maybe one or two families are doing the majority of the giving. And with the redefining of terms by a lot of uh, church-going people, you know, normal attendance or regular attendance doesn't mean most Sundays anymore. It means maybe one to two. And so I would imagine so does uh, regular giving Hmm. and regular participation in the church. So I think that's probably what the pastors are referring to that I've that I've talked to. Okay, um, I mean we concur uh, here, being a part of a nonprofit here. We we understand how that works, and wh- whether it comes to uh, giving, which is done by the minority, or actual people volunteering, or I see out in the community what's going on, um, it's not good. And Christians. And, and I know we're getting away from your book for a minute, but Christians are not having the impact and influence on this culture in America and as we could have, and maybe one time 100 years ago, maybe we did. But it seems like the reverse is true. Uh, Romans 12, 2 says, Do not conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. But it seems like uh, a number of professing believers at least, are conforming to the world. Thus, we we are not able to influence the world if we're blending in. Could you please speak on that? That's correct. So let's connect this back to spirituality. So let's say, for example, the giving thing that we talked about. Giving, anybody can give. An unbeliever can give. An unbeliever can be generous. They can be altruistic. They can set up a foundation like Bill Gates and give away a lot of money. Does that please God? No, he's not impressed. God is only impressed with the work of Jesus Christ, not my work. Mm. Therefore, everything that I do must be a product that was purchased, bought bought and paid, and produced by Christ in me. Pardon me. So when I am spiritual, when I am looking to the Lord and saying, Lord, I know you will provide my needs. I know that I can give. I know that I can make a difference with the people in my sphere of influence. You can give me the boldness and the power and the right thing to say so that I can witness to them and make a difference. I know that you can produce these things in me. I know you can give me courage. I know you can comfort me if they get mad at me for witnessing to them. You're looking to God with faith and believing what he says, not believing what you want or wish for, but what he said in his word. Then when he produces that spiritual fruit, he gives us to will and to do of his good pleasure. He even gives us the want to, not just the how to, But the want to, the desire to give, the desire to help, the desire to witness, the desire to speak up and stand up for what's true and right. So that Mm. spiritual uh, energy within us, the Holy Spirit indwelling us and working through us, changes our desires and changes our behavior. But if Christians don't know exactly what you said, David, the renewing of the mind, if they're not looking to the promises of God with faith, then the only other option is to try to make themselves do it in their own power, and that mm-hmm. fails. Preston? Yeah, and, and uh, I think an important part of this, too, is when Kelly mentions the promises of God here, this is the promises made to believers. There's got to be distinctions as you read Scripture. I don't claim a promise God made to Israel for me as a member of the body of Christ. That's a promise to Israel. Okay, just as an example, I look at the promises he's given to the church. So we look at the writings of the apostles in the New Testament, and that's for the believer. Um, So let's be real clear on that. That's how you kind of, that's how folks get into error, 
you know, on some of these promises that are not, uh, uh, some people communicated as reading someone else's mail. Uh, (laughs) uh, So, you know, just keep things in proper perspective as you read scripture. And that will be a tremendous help in the life of the believer, especially when it comes to something like the promises of God. We're speaking with Preston and Kelly Condra of Sufficient Word Ministries. And you can find their Facebook page at facebook.com slash sufficient word. Also, of course, their website, sufficientword.com. You guys talk about the natural man, the carnal man, and the spiritual man, and kind of go into detail early in your book on these. Could you, I know it might be difficult to do in a short amount of time, could you sum up uh, the definitions of the natural, carnal, and spiritual man, and why you decided to put these concepts early in your book talking about spiritual fruit? Right. Uh, The natural man is the unbeliever, and so he is operating as he naturally is. He as uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 tells us, he cannot know the things of God, and he doesn't even re- doesn't receive them because he can't know them. Uh, so that's the natural man. He's the unbeliever. Then the carnal man, the spiritual man, that's uh, every believer can either be carnal or he can be spiritual. When he's carnal, he, he looks just like the natural man. He is not saying yes to God. He's saying yes to his flesh, for example. And so he's living carnally, and every believer at any moment can decide to be carnal, or they can decide to be spiritual, which in just a nutshell is the believer saying yes to the Holy Spirit and no to the flesh, for example. So um, it's really, there are two kinds of people, unbelievers and believers. The unbeliever is the natural man, and every believer can either be carnal or spiritual. Hmm. We decided to put those first thing in the book so that the terminology would be there. Okay. If people don't know their condition, they can't respond correctly. So part of Christian maturity is that we learn when am I spiritual and when am I carnal, you know, by evaluating our own selves. It says, you know, in Corinthians, it goes on to say that we need to judge ourselves. We're comparing spiritual things with spiritual. So in other words, we look at the words of Scripture. Do I see love? Do I see joy, peace? Am am I content? Am I feeling patient? Or do I feel, grr, this is making me upset and I'm responding negatively to my circumstances? Then I'm carnal. I'm operating in my flesh. God's character is not working through me. So when we evaluate ourselves, then we can respond appropriately and have the Holy Spirit's power leading us instead of just trying to do it ourselves. I don't mean to be redundant um, about something you guys said earlier, but I thought it was such a good point, and I had it in my notes worded a different way, and I would love for you, I think, uh, Kelly, you touched on this, and I even asked you to repeat what you said. Preston, if an unsaved person, anyone in the world, an atheist, can do the same good works that I can do as a Christian, then what is the difference? I know it's, it's, we're talking about spiritual fruit versus physical things we do in this world. Anyone can volunteer their, their time, make a meal for someone, um, help someone at the grocery store, or, or give someone, uh, someone who's hurting it help. But So what's the key difference there if we can all do good works? Because unbelievers, they do plenty of good works, right? And we're talking about fruit today. So make that connection for us, Preston. Well, the the believer is saying yes to the Holy Spirit. When that happens, it's an inward thing, David, that happens. The, The fruit of the Spirit is inward love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self control. So that's him working in us. And yes, there is an outcome to that. So we're talking really about not making a resolution to do more or to do better. We're saying, hey, say yes to the Holy Spirit. Let him produce his work in you, and then you will experience the fruit of the Spirit. And also, we'll get rewards for doing things like that in heaven, and all this brings glory to God. Hmm. So, for example... An unbeliever gives money, an unbeliever feeds the poor, a believer does it. 
they can both do it and get nothing. The unbeliever is already condemned. We know that from John 3. The believer could do this, whatever it is, this good work in his own power and bring no glory to God and get no credit. But a spiritual man is not aiming for the work. Mm -hmm. He's not, his goal is not to do a work. Hmm. I know that sounds strange. Or a pat on the back. Right. Right. His goal is to be in the correct condition. Hmm. So Christians, from our experience, are putting the cart before the horse. They're aiming for the work, and they're not looking at the how. They're not evaluating their condition. So a simple example that seems to help people to understand and help me to understand, when I was a young believer and I kept saying, what am I supposed to do? What does God want me to do? I want God to be happy with me. What do I do? What do I do? Mm. And the person who was mentoring me said, forget about what to do. Mm. Get to know God. Good advice. Learn his word. Put his word in your heart. Study the epistles so that you know what the promises are to the church. And then go do your dishes for the Lord. And I said, what? Do my my (laughs) dishes for the Lord? She said, yeah. Do the most mundane task that you hate. Because I always lived in an old house that didn't have a dishwasher. Uh, And so (laughs) I had to do everything by hand until just recently. And... um, So I really took it seriously, and I thought, what would it look like if I was doing dishes for the Lord? And I thought, oh, right. I I wouldn't grumble. I wouldn't be irritated. I would be thankful that I had food to dirty those dishes. Mm, Hello. And that's when it clicked for me that it doesn't matter what you're doing necessarily. Okay, you can't go steal for God. Obviously, there's things that when you use the measure of, can I do this for the Lord? Am I doing this for the Lord? It's going to automatically exclude certain things that can, are only products of the flesh, like killing someone or stealing. But in any task we do, God knows that we have to go to work every day. He knows we have to take care of our kids. He knows we have chores. He's not saying, you can't please me unless you're in Africa on a mission. You can't please me unless you're on the street corner giving the gospel. We can please him in everything we do when we are in the correct spiritual condition. So when I'm believing God that he can empower me and give me the right heart in everything I do, I am a spiritual man. I am producing spiritual fruit and everything I do pleases him, whether it's doing the dishes or feeding the poor. Mm. I like that, and part of that, as in the Christian walk, is doing our work is unto the Lord. We're speaking with Preston and Kelly Condra of Sufficient Word Ministries about their book, Bearing Fruit or Living Barren. Up next, we're going to talk about the difference between quenching the Spirit, grieving the Spirit, and being filled with the Holy Spirit. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. We are speaking with Preston and Kelly Condra from Arkansas. They're on the line with us talking about their book, Bearing Fruit or Living Barren. And it's available on Amazon. We will put the link in today's podcast post. Before we get to the difference between quenching the Spirit and grieving the Spirit, which sometimes people think it's one and the same, There's an important point to go back to, Kelly and Preston, about the carnal man. Um, We think of that as being like, I don't know, a heathen, an atheist, a pagan. But you were saying a Christian can be carnal by being maybe uh, unproductive, indifferent, apathetic. Can you explain that a little bit? Sure. Yeah, people tend to think of carnality. If they're aware of the concept, they think of a carnal Christian as someone who's really gone off the rails and gotten into some terrible sin problem or uh, they're really involved in something evil. But because we're talking about a spiritual condition, spirituality is a condi- an internal condition, carnality is just the failure to produce the fruit of the Spirit, So you can be sitting on your sofa watching TV and be carnal. Hmm. Even though you're not doing anything terrible, 
you are not really rightly related to God. It could be an unconfessed sin. It could be the fact that you're not um, reflecting on any truth. Not that we're thinking about Bible verses 24 hours a day. I don't mean it like that. But it's kind of like keeping the phone line open with the Father, that we're checking in with Him. You know, the verse that says, pray without ceasing, it's at every opportunity. So we're communicating to the Father intermittently throughout our day as we're doing our, you know, various tasks and just checking and saying, am I still looking to the Lord with faith to operate or have I just gone on autopilot and I'm doing my own thing and I haven't thought about my spiritual condition? All right, let's get to the difference between quenching the spirit and grieving the spirit. Um, Quenching, does that mean like you're stopping what the Spirit could do in your life, and grieving, does that mean you're disappointing, or is that too simplistic? Yeah, quenching is, it. think of putting out a fire, is the meaning of the word there. Ooh. And so it is me, yeah, not yielding to the Holy Spirit. It's, it's uh, not doing something as a believer that I know is what God wants to do. So it's not... Um, overtly getting into sin, that's what grieving does. That's grieving. You get into sin, you sin, that grieves the Holy Spirit. Quenching is is me just not doing something I know I should. I love what you said, putting out a fire. Man, that's a visual because we know the Holy Spirit is powerful. And to, to, to quench, oh my goodness, to put out that fire in our lives. Wow, that that's an eye-opener right there. Kelly, do you have something to add? I do. For myself, when I'm quenching the spirit, it just, I call it autopilot, that I might start out my day well, Uh I spend some time in the scripture, I pray, I think through my day, is there anything I need to, you know, go to the Lord about? I pray for some various things that are upcoming for the day. But then as the day goes on and I get busy, I forget about God and then something happens, and the next thing you know, I'm like yelling out the windshield in traffic, you know, with the window up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nobody can hear me, but I'm, you know, all of a sudden my attitude has shifted. That is a subtle change. But when I evaluate myself, I can think, would Jesus be screaming inside the car at the traffic? You know, I know that he is not producing his character in me at that moment. That is my flesh product, that Mm -hmm. irritated, frustrated, impatient attitude is I'm quenching what he is wanting to produce in me spiritually. Now, let's say, and I've never done this and I wouldn't, but let's say I jumped out of the car and started, you know, shaking my fist at a driver. Now I've crossed over into grieving. Now I'm actively sinning. Mm. And if you quench long enough, you will grieve him. I like that. If you quench the spirit long enough, you will grieve him. And that's that action is sinning against the Holy Spirit, sinning against God, doing things that unsaved people do, and boy, that certainly isn't bearing fruit for the kingdom. Uh, Preston? Yeah that's, yeah, that's exactly right, and that's a, that's a great example. Um, it, it can be a progression, and often is, hmm. and so, and believers may not just be aware of that, you know, and so we, we do, a, bit, a lot of what we're doing is making believers aware of of these, uh, these facts. So, um, James one describes the progression because James one talks about that temptation in your mind. Like maybe the first thing I'm doing in traffic is starting to think about negative thoughts about the other drivers. So I'm having unrighteous thoughts to begin with, Mm -hmm. but I haven't acted on it yet. Then maybe I'm quenching the spirit because I'm not going to him to correct my thinking and say, listen, people make mistakes on the road. I'm not a perfect driver either. Thank you, God, that you got me safely to work again today. You know, I can go back to gratitude and thinking rightly, or I can continue down that road. And James says that it gives birth, you know, to, um, I can't think of how it's worded in the English because I'm just thinking of what the language says, but 
it's like giving birth to something. Then <laughs> the lust, temptation lust. gives birth to unrighteousness, yeah. and the unrighteousness gives birth to sin. Mm-hmm. So James 1 describes that actual progression, and then goes on at the end of chapter 1 to say, the engrafted word is able to save your soul, mm. because the soul is a seed of emotion. And when you put the truth back in, that's the renewing of the mind, it delivers you from that progression so you don't have to go on to outward sin. That's right. And there. Well, that's James one fifteen. I think you were quoting. Then when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, I like that word, sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. And don't Mm -hmm. be deceived, my beloved brethren, every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above. Um, that's that's I, right. Go ahead. That death is spiritual death right there. Hmm. Now you're out of fellowship. Wow. Yeah. Preston, so, do you, go ahead. And the, the opposite is true. Just on the other side, you know, Paul says, just as you receive Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk ye in him. Well, that's by grace through faith. And how do we learn more about what God wants? We set our minds on things above, the Scripture says. We frame our minds. So as I'm filling my mind with His Word, um, that's where my thinking goes, and I yield to Him. He produces His fruit in me. So that's what we're, that's what we're really communicating to the believer. And how important is it to be in the Word of God every day, um, I do it in the morning. Some people do that. Do it at night. But I, I just seem like if if I rush through it, or I'm going through the motions, or maybe if I skip, which I rarely do, but if I do, those are the days where usually you get busy or distracted, or something comes up maybe that wouldn't ordinarily, and you're tempted to react or respond in your flesh, and you kind of don't have that foundation. Would you speak to that? How important is it to get the Word of God? in our hearts and in our, in our minds to meditate on that first thing in the morning. It's essential. That's how else do we get to know God, to know things above? It's in his word. Hmm. And, you know, again, I think it comes back important to understand um, th- making distinctions in scripture, what's for the church, what's to the church and whatnot. So I would really encourage believers to know the scriptures that are written to the church, study those, and you're going to understand more and more about the Christian life. And, yeah, it's absolutely essential, David. And because we know the character of God, the nature of God, Mm -hmm. through reading his word, and the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation, of course, the story of redemption. And and there's true history, not only that, fulfilled Mm -hmm. prophecy. There's Mm -hmm. so much to encourage and strengthen our faith and also, so we know how to respond to people. If we are not in the Word, Absolutely. we can't respond Absolutely. to them with the truth in a, whatever situation uh, in your daily life or at work you might come across. Would you like to talk about that for a minute? Well, think about how many things from the world come at us all day long. I mean, we have billboards, radio, television, other people, we are bombarded. Mm -hmm. And we have that little bit of quiet time to offset it. It (laughs) is vital that we have that quiet time because that's what the Holy Spirit uses. He is going to bring those things to mind. For example, let's say you have a a bad situation and it kind of makes you feel, why didn't God fix this for me or does God really love me? Is he going to help me? We have maybe some doubtful thoughts toward him. That's where the extreme value of the Old Testament is because we see his character displayed in his dealings with Israel. And we see how faithful he was and, and how long-suffering and compassionate he was in their rebellion. And we see also his holiness, that you know there were consequences for sin. So we see his character in the Old Testament in the epistles to the church, we see the how-to of the Christian life mm. and the promises that we utilize in order to walk by faith. And, and David, along those lines, too, it's no mistake in First Thessalonians 5, 19 and 20, when it says, quench not the Spirit, the very next sentence is, despise not prophesying. Well, prophesying is the Scripture, it's the Word of God. Mm. Despising that is to not put it to use. 
So um, the way to avoid quenching and then grieving is not despising the scriptures. I love that. I love that. It brings up another kind of off-topic question, but it's relevant to what you just shared about not quenching the Spirit, not despising prophetic utterances. Prophecy is Old Testament um, versus utterances by God about the Messiah, by God spoke through men, and yet so many churches today do not teach on prophecy, and some might even ignore it, maybe because they don't understand it, but the importance of the Old Testament, I think it's Romans 15:4 that says everything that happened in the past or was written in the past was for our instruction that we may have hope through the encouragement, encouragement of the Scriptures. That's exactly right. That's right. Prophecy is something that God told us. So we could even look at it that everything in the Bible is prophecy because it all came from God. He said it all. <laughs> mm-hmm. And we need it all. It all has its purpose and use. There's another question, since I'm looking at that passage that you brought up, Preston, in First um, Thessalonians chapter 5, um, right before it says, Do not quench the Spirit— it says, in everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, we understand God's will is a lot more broad, and it's thought deeper than just giving thanks all day. But yet, through the Holy Spirit and through the knowledge of his word, we can know God's will for our lives, can't we? We sure can. Uh, he has told us a lot about his will and his word. That's why he's given us his word. He wants, to, wants us to see what he wants in the life of the believer, in the life of uh, the body of Christ. He's written it down so we can read it and understand it and apply it. And he wants to, he even gives us the will to do that. You know, the verse Kelly mentioned earlier. So, yeah, the the thankfulness, it, it reminds me of what Kelly's talking about a few minutes ago of washing dishes as unto the Lord. You know, and being thankful for the water and the dishes. Mm. And, you know, that is hugely important to the believer. Yeah, and the food that dirties those plates. Thank you, Lord, for yeah. our daily bread, yeah. for providing for us. Yeah. Um, we are yeah. speaking with Preston and Kelly Condra of Sufficient Word Ministries. The book is Bearing Fruit or Living Barren, The Essentials of Christian Spirituality. Now, I've just clicked on over to the Amazon page where your book is, uh, Preston and Kelly, and it says in green writing before the description, arrives before Christmas. Yay! (laughs) So we're about a week or so away. We're a week away from Christmas Eve, and oh my goodness, it's coming fast. But if you want to check out the book, we'll have the the post or the link in our podcast post today. Um, In Chapter 8, you discuss um, who it is that can be known by their fruit. And I think we started off today's interview by talking a little bit about that, how we can be known by our fruit. But Jesus told his disciples that a good tree bears good fruit, a bad tree bears bad fruit, and a tree can be recognized by its fruit. Is this a universal principle, meaning I know he was speaking to the religious leaders at that time, um, unbelievers, they don't really bear fruit, Christians bear fruit. Can you break that down for us, please? Yeah, actually there in Matthew 7, Jesus is talking about the false prophets. You know, he gives that illustration of the wolf in sheep's clothing, right? So he's he's making an emphasis here on don't look at the exterior. That can be deceiving. Right. Uh, what's the fruit of a prophet? Well, it's his prophesying. It's what he teaches. It's what he preaches. Therefore, what he believes. That's the fruit he's talking of there. Okay. And that brings up a good point that the word fruit does not mean exactly the same thing in every context. Ooh, good point. In the, in the, in the uh, Garden of Eden, it was a literal piece of fruit. Hmm. In uh, the uh, kingdom teachings in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it's talking about a product. In this case, the product of a false prophet was a false teaching. Spiritual fruit didn't exist yet. That's post-resurrection. So spiritual fruit is not in play until we see the foreshadowing in John that you mentioned, David. So that's a good point to remember that we don't just automatically assign the same meaning to every place we see a word. We have to look at the context. Wow. You can't take Matthew 7 and apply that to a believer. Right. 
Jesus is talking about false prophets there. What an excellent point. I think uh, we need to take a break and come right back with you guys. Um, if you can hang out for us a little while longer, because I want to continue to dissect that and pick up that point about being known by their fruit when we come back on Stand Up For The Truth. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. We're on the line with Preston and Kelly Condra of Sufficient Word Ministries, the book Bearing Fruit or Living Barren, The Essentials of Christian Spirituality. And we were just talking before our break about how Christians, or not Christians, about how um, people in the Old Testament can be known by their fruit, or not necessarily the Old Testament. Even during the times of Christ, when he was talking about um, false teachers or Pharisees being known by their bad fruit, it was the context there. But Kelly, before break, you made an excellent point that after the resurrection and when Jesus sent the Holy Spirit— now that's a different context and a different kind of fruit. Please break that down even more for us. Sure. Uh, Hebrews teaches that um, a testament goes into effect after the death of a testator. So the New Testament, for practical purposes, is not where somebody put it in the book when they printed the book. Some human person put the division between the New Testament and the Old, you know, before Matthew. But the Bible teaches that the New Testament started after the death of the testator, after Jesus died and was resurrected. Then the Holy Spirit was sent, and then the Holy Spirit started a new system. He created a church. He gave us, he uh, regenerates us, makes us spiritually alive, also called born again. And he gives us spiritual capabilities that the people in the Old Testament and during Jesus' earthly ministry did not have. So when we look at Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we're not talking about spirituality there. He was teaching them about the kingdom. He was offering Mm -hmm. the kingdom to Israel. In John, he starts to foreshadow the Holy Spirit's ministry. He says, I'm going to send a comforter. He's going to be with you. He's going to be in you. And he starts teaching them what to expect. But we have to make that distinction when they talk about fruit, and it's not speaking to the church. That is external fruit, and internal fruit, spiritual fruit, is for the church. It's produced in us. Preston, do you have anything to add? Yeah, I was going to say the other thing is that we talked about in the break some is when there's such an emphasis on doing, 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 um, and looking at the exterior as some kind of indicator of something, uh, I think a result, one of the results is comparing ourselves with ourselves. Meaning other Christians? Yeah. Amongst believers. Sure. Mm -hmm. And so that that's, that's not good. Um, And that's not where our eyes should be anyway. We're not looking at my exterior product. Um, uh, We, you know, we want believers to have their, minds on God's Word and Him producing His character in the believer. And yeah, there will be, there will be good results from that, um, that will be good works and things like that. And we want that. We know Absolutely. that we need to give and, and help and, and do good works and witness. But we don't look at that as the object. Right. The object is faith in the, mm-hmm. in the promises of God to produce spiritual fruit, and then those good works will be the natural result. We will want to do those things, and we will do those things. Amen. Amen. And uh, we probably can't talk about bearing fruit or being fruitful for Jesus, for God, without mentioning a little pruning happens every now and then, or it has to happen, and that's necessary. Um, do you guys go into that in your book, or what would you like to say about the, what we, we don't really like the pruning process, but it really helps us bear more fruit, doesn't it? We don't go into it in the book, but yes, there is pruning that happens to the believer. In other words, the Lord will sometimes bring things into our lives that will cause us to make changes because he doesn't want us just to bear a bunch of leaves. He wants fruit. Mm. And we can get very, very busy producing lots and lots of leaves that really don't do anything to advance his causes, his good purposes and will. I remember hearing um, 
the paraphrase or something, you know, the old saying about uh, if Satan can't um, stop you completely or get you to fall away from your faith, he can get you busy, and that will yeah, stop right. you from producing fruit. Preston, would you like to speak to that? Yeah, that's exactly right, because you, you can be busy even making yourself resolute to do more, and that will keep your mind occupied and off of God's Word, and certainly not walking in dependence on Him to produce His character in you. Mm. Satan wants us to focus on our circumstances. On ourselves. All the things we have to do, all the things that have to get done, all these externals. But if we look to the Lord first with faith, He will honor that. Mm. We believe those things will go better and go easier if we're putting Him first. And even if they don't go easier, we can still be thankful because that's going to help us mature and trust Him more. Amen. Hey, we've got five more minutes with you guys. We're speaking with Preston and Kelly Condra of Sufficient Word Ministries. The book is Bearing Fruit or Living Barren. Let's discuss for a few minutes what the filling of the Holy Spirit is. The filling is God just filling up. That literally means filling up what's lacking. So it's not me seeking. It's more of a yieldedness. That you need to, how you need to think of it, and then he fills what's lacking hmm. in the believer. So when I look to a promise of God, when I'm impatient and or I'm unhappy with my circumstances, and I look at the verse that says that Paul said, "I can be content in all things." Hmm. I look at that verse and I believe it, and God fills me with that contentment. He is filling up what is lacking in my own thinking or in my own attitude. He is just, so a believer is filled whenever they're walking by faith, when they're believing God, they are filled. We don't have to seek it. It's a natural result of what we believe. Hmm. I like that. And I believe it's in Ephesians where it says, uh, be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Is that where the, um, the word there, the meaning there, it may be another verse I'm thinking of, but is that where it means uh being filled is like a constant filling. It's, it's like a continual process. It's not just a one-time be filled right. and then, then let it be done. Be filled right. and go your way. No, we have to continue to f- be filled with the Holy Spirit. Would you explain that? It's a continue. Yeah, yieldedness is an ongoing thing, mm. not a one-time event. That's why we said keep, keep the phone line open. Keep checking mm-hmm. in throughout the day. Keep being filled. So he's telling us, to keep going back to God for that filling. So we always encourage people, just stop a couple times during the day. If you're not good at stopping because you're really a hard worker and really busy, put an alarm on your phone mm. and just stop for two minutes and say, Lord, where am I, where are we at? You know? <laughs> I, I have a little sticky note to check in with the Lord on my desk, right? That's awesome. And you have, to, you have to put it in different places, right? Because you get used to yeah. seeing it in a certain place, then you got to move it, put those reminders elsewhere. Right. Kelly, when you said you got to keep the phone line open and check in with the Lord, I kind of got a little conviction. So thank you for that. Um, <laughs> because we, are, we have these iPhones now that, that mm-hmm. are new creations. We, we, we are with these things in modern technology. And for every th- time we check in with people or social media or whatever else, texting people, Boy, just that concept of, hey, God, I just want to check in with you right now and just just recognize your presence in my life and the Holy Spirit in me. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for empowering me. Would you please just lead me and, and, and show me in these next minutes or hours, the rest of my day, how I can be more effective for you? Imagine if we did that more frequently throughout the day. Well, this is why... The early church turned the world upside down. They knew how to be filled. They weren't trying to figure out God's will. They knew God's will because they were taught it, and they went and did it. And they were filled with the power of the Spirit. They weren't wringing their hands, what should I do? Should I move to Omaha? Should I change jobs? They weren't freaking out. They said, I have liberty. I have the filling of the Spirit. I know what God wants me to do, and they Mm. did it, and they turned the world upside down. And we could do the same if we learn how to be spirit-filled, to look to the promises of God with faith. He empowers us to do everything He wants, and what He wants is already written down in the Scripture. We can know it, we can believe it, we can use it, and we can be powerful and we can make a difference. 
Excellent point, Kelly. Very simple, but very profound. Thank you for making that. Preston, any closing thoughts? Yes, Kelly made a good point. They were taught that, and so each believer needs to be taught these things, these principles. And so we've written the book in such a way that not only can the individual use it and read it and refer back to it often, but so church groups can use it for a study or pastors can lead it for a pastor-led study, Sunday school classes, small groups, whatever. It's really simple to pick up and teach with the scripture printed right in the book. And so we really want each believer to have access uh, to these, to understand these principles. Sufficientword.com is your website. You're also on Facebook, and that is facebook.com slash sufficientword. Um, People that are listening, you can invite Preston and or Kelly to uh, come and speak at your church uh, service or conference or whatever you might have, maybe some uh, meetings or Bible studies. Um, how can people get in touch with you guys? What is the best way? And I know you're both available to do conference speaking and workshops and classes. So tell us a little bit about uh, what you have been doing and how people can connect with you if they want more information. They can uh, get in touch with us through our Facebook page. We also have uh, our email address on our website, okay. sufficientword.com. And uh, we do speak in churches, conferences. Uh, we do our workshop together on all of our books. So uh, any way we can be of help to the local congregations, we want to be. Thank you so much. And uh, the books, other books, By Which We Are Saved, Papa Let's Talk, and uh, Preston and Kelly Condra, thank you guys so much for taking the time to be with us uh, today, and we appreciate you so much. Have a Merry Christmas. Thank you, David. Merry Christmas to you, too. Merry Christmas. All right. God bless you both. Uh, When we come back, I'll let you know uh, who our guests will be the rest of the week. Stand Up For The Truth, a ministry of Lakeshore Communications Incorporated. Keep the discussion going on social media. Stand Up WI on Facebook and Twitter. Now we wrap up today's Stand Up For The Truth. All right, some exciting guests the rest of the week, and uh, including tomorrow, Elizabeth Johnston, the activist mommy. She'll be with us. We're excited to have her on for the first time and talk about her ministry. If you want to take a sneak peek at her website, it is activistmommy.com. And uh, that's Elizabeth Johnston, very, very pro-life. She's got a book out called Not On My Watch. And then on Thursday, Pastor Randy White is back with us. We'll be talking about the uh, John Nelson Darby Academy and more apologetics with Pastor Randy. Friday, first-time guest, there's a new book out called Mama Bear Apologetics. I think we have a theme this week, Mama Bear Apologetics. The author is Hillary Morgan Ferrer. We'll have her on Friday. So um, some exciting guests the rest of this week. And as we continue preparing our hearts to be with family for Christmas celebrations, whatever you do traditionally or maybe something new this year, For a lot of us, it might be new. Just remember those who maybe have an empty chair at their table this Christmas, um, missing a family member. And remember, sometimes it is a very hard and lonely time of year for people. So be sensitive to that. Minister to others. Love your neighbor. And remember just to continue to encourage people toward Jesus Christ, our only hope. Well, God bless you. See you tomorrow. And keep speaking the truth about things that matter. 